Omajana Trimananda Shya, Jnajna Salakaya, Chakshun Melitanyena, Tasma Shri Gurave Namaha. Vajkapu Vishcha, Krikasindabi Vicha, Patita Nam, Abhanebhu Vaishna Vijunamo Namaha. Good evening, everyone. How about another class on Tatras and Dharva? Yes. <laughs> Good. That's what we prepared for. <laughs> So we have reached the end of the epistemology, the nature of knowing, the absolute, that is knowable, that is the supreme object of knowledge. Uh, Now we're coming to the section on ontology, which is what is the nature of that absolute, that is the most desired object of knowledge for one seeking to know. Uh, the nature of their self and the supreme self, the nature of being and the topmost method of being and uh, the method of supreme enjoyment, enjoying with the supreme enjoyable object of enjoyment in love, ultimate love, praying. So between the beginning section of Tatvas and Dharva on epistemology that we've just completed, wherein Jiva has uh, stated emphatically uh, his reasoning as to acceptance of Srimad Bhagavatam as the ultimate praman, the ultimate evidence as to spiritual enlightenment. We're about to come to the section on Pramaya, the object of knowledge, how that object of knowledge is presented in that ultimate Praman. Now between the first section, of course the very first section is the Mangalacharna, eight Anuchedas, and then we have, it would be 16 in the section on epistemology. There are two Anuchedas between the first section and the second section on ontology, the nature of of what is knowable. What's given in those two Anuchedas is the methodology that Jiva Goswami is going to be utilizing going forward throughout the entire remainder of the Satsandarva. How is he going to present his various theistic truths. So he gives an indication here as to how he's going to do that. We'll go over those two anachetas before we proceed this evening to the second section, which is on ontology. And it's broadly classified Pramaya, the object of knowledge. So he says that our explanation of the Srimad Bhagavatam Verses will serve as sutras. Sutra is strung together. So his thoughts explaining the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam, which allows complete entrance into its revelation, will be like sutras. So first will come his explanation. Then the Srimad Bhagavatam verse itself 
will be provided us, which will serve as the scriptural text to be analyzed. So first his sutra, his spiritual conclusion, then the verse from the Bhagavatam, which stands on its own. It doesn't need any additional light from him. So he's not going to explain the verse. He's going to, explain, he's going to give you what he sees as the essence of that verse. And then he's going to support his sutra in relationship to the verse. And he's going to support his sutra. And in the 27th Anucheta, he specifically mentions the commentary of Sridhar Swami, which is, was so dear to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam by Sridhar Swami will be his primary praman for his sutra or his the essence of what he's pulling out of the Bhagavatam verse. And then he goes on to say that you will find in Sridhar Swami's commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam some radical non-dualism, some thoughts like that. I will not be quoting those portions of his commentary. Then there's an explanation of why those verse, why those commentaries, which are Advaita Vod, are provided in the Bhagavatam commentary of Sridhar Swami, who's what? A pure Vaishnav. So first Jiva says, I'm only going to use his commentaries where it coincides with pure Vaishnav theology. And those other portions where he appears to put forth my, what we consider Mayavad conceptions or Advaitavad, uh, I'm not going to use. But you need to understand why they're there. And then he says, Sridhar Swami, his commentary was prepared at a time when there was, of course, the Sankaracharya's followers were there in force. These, you know, Brahmavadis were there in force. He wanted to draw them in to tasting the message of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So he brought them in just like a fisherman within a net would put some bait. He baited them with explanations that corresponded to the theology of impersonalism that attracted them. But in doing so, he pulled them into the net of the message of the Bhagavat. But I'm not going to use those those portions of his commentary. But he, he, he there was a there's a reason why he did it. We should not so it's there's sometimes there's some provisional preaching going on. Uh, He goes on um, to mention that he will also be utilizing commentaries from the authoritative opinions of Ramanujacharya, who is uh, who has his Sri Bhashya, his commentary on Vedanta Sutra, 
Sri being Lakshmi, so he is of that Sampradaya, the uh, Sri Sampradaya. Um, so there was a lot of those. He had many followers. And uh, he gave his commentary, and it is in line with, with our, our Vaishnav philosophy. I'll also be quoting him. He's telling us. And uh, he concludes that anuchade by saying, and I won't re be really ex discussing a lot of Advaita Vod here. There's no need. And we're reminded again of his sixth anuchade at the very beginning of the work in his Mangala Charna, where he points out the qualifications of those that should enter into this study to begin with and are those that are desirous of attaining Sri Krishna, or at least seriously inquisitive. There's also mention in the commentary some similarities in Sridhar Swami and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in that they both accept sannyas, initiation, from the line of Sankaracharya. Both of them. Go on to the 28th Anucheta. Jiva Goswami mentions, again, we're talking about what is his methodology going forward. He said, I'll also be quoting from the Vedas and the Puranas and other scriptures to verify my interpretations. So we have the Srimad Bhagavatam's verses. He's going to interpret those in his sutras, and then he's going to verify his the conclusions he, that he's given. Also, Madhvacharya, he's going to quote from Madhvacharya, and all the different works are listed in the Anucheda uh, that he'll be quoting from. Uh, they're they're quite extensive. I won't repeat them here. And then some commentary is giving in. Re Regards to Madhvacharya, how great an Acharya he was, and how he was, he was fully, you know, he's a tremendous Vaishnav, and he had accumulated by traveling throughout the land, Barsha, he traveled and he acquired all the essential scriptures. He wrote them down, and where he was not allowed to copy. Within the temple, he had a photographic memory, so he'd remember him, and then he would write them down. It's said in his time, he had the an immense library, and some say that it had no equal. Uh, his library was uh, unfortunately destroyed by fire. So Jiva Goswami points out that I won't be. I'll be quoting the quotes from those literatures which are not even available to me but were in the commentary of Sri Madhvacharya. And we can accept them as authoritative because of his great Vaishnav character. So the works themselves were even lost to Jiva Goswami, but the contents of those, those references were in the commentaries and writings of Madhvacharya, so therefore he gives them all he, he says that, you know, we will accept those as reliable. Madhvacharya's theology 
was a little different from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's. Madhvacharya's theology was devotional dualism. So there is there is the spiritual realm, and there is a a distinction between the absolute truth and the jivatma. They are spiritually distinct. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. There's you, you're a tiny tiny fraction of spirit, and there's the Supreme Absolute, who is also spirit. But there is duality. You are one spirit, he is a different spirit. His philosophy is called devotional dualism. Sri Chaitanya, of course, introduced devotional non-dualism in his philosophy of a what? A chinta, beta, a beta, tattva inconceivably different and the same. It's inconceivable. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. So that completes the transition between the actually the second section and the third section. It's just this two verses which give us a transition going forward as to how to look at Jiva Goswami's presentation which begins brings us to this evening's primary focus, which will be on Pramaya. So this begins by a little bit of introduction, a determination of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. Srimad Bhagavatam is establishing the Praman in the sense of Sabda. That's been the whole first section, right? Srimad Bhagavatam is the ultimate evidence because what? It's subdebrahman, it's transcendent sound vibration. Under normal circumstance, one would say, well, for an understanding of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan in relationship to the Absolute Truth, and especially that Absolute Truth which is put forward in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we can take to a study of the three theistic nature of the verses of the work. But what's interesting is the first thing that Jiva makes a very he makes a very interesting choice in order to really convey to his audience what does this subdivarman, what does this transcendental vibration of the Bhagavat truly entail? Now, if we were to take the viewpoint of Vaidhi Bhakti, then our devotional practice, our understanding of the relationships, what is the Lord, what is his energies, what is the nature of the service to attain the Lord, what is the ultimate goal in that attainment through the service. We could simply take that approach of Vaidhi, which is what? We base our practice upon scriptural regulation. What's in the scriptures? What supports the, what supports the ideas of Sambanda? What supports the ideas and the ideals of Abhideya? And how is that supreme priogen depicted in the verses of the scripture? But Jiva Goswami begins his discourse in relationship to 
promea, the object, and how and how it is realized by speaking to the nature of the revelations of Sukadev, followed by the revolutions of Sri Vyasadev himself, as depicted in Srimad Bhagavatam. So there's so many verses in the work that will explain Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayochan. But he begins his discourse by dis- discussing them in relationship to the revelation of first Sukadev Goswami and then Srila Vyasadeva. So let's take a look at this approach and how what's significant about it. So in a normal sense, Sabda could simply be an intellectual cognition, right? Using our intellect to study the Bhagavatam and the verses of the Bhagavatam and arrive at a conclusion. But if we take Sabda, Brahman, to the next level, to a deeper understanding of what it implies, then we look to what happened to Sukadev Goswami. Then we can understand something that was there beyond normal cognition. Something was there in the verses that was so transcendentally potent that it could rock the solid foundation of a fully realized Brahmavadi like Sukadev Goswami. He was beyond the mind. He was beyond the senses. He was beyond normal cognition. He had no interference. He was even actually from in the womb. He said, I'm not coming out. Krishna said, well, I'll I'll protect you. Maya won't touch you. So he had no real contact with the material energy. This is a really important point here that Jiva Goswami is pushing through first the understanding of Jiva Goswami's position and how he came to his revelation regarding the Bhagavatam and then how it also happened to not only him, the speaker, but also the author himself, Srila Vyasadeva. They didn't arrive at their transcendental realizations in relationship to the Bhagavatam through an intellectual, mental, cognitive, empiric process. They arrived through transcendental revelation, through the sound vibration, which is that powerful to rock the consciousness of someone that's fully immersed in transcendence, like Sukadev Goswami. Just to give you an idea of where Sukadev Goswami was at. He was filled with bliss of the self. All other thoughts and feelings did not exist in him except that his chaitis, his consciousness had all was free of all material thought 
No material thought. He had no feelings or desires. And he was a pure witness of himself. We call this what? Well, Jivan Mukta. There's another way to look at it. Open-eyed samadhi. He could walk in the world and not in any way be affected by it. He was completely absorbed in his self. Sukha's ex essence it's called Sara um, was utterly fixed on the bliss of the self. Imagine, utterly fixed. Nothing could rock it. Uh, he was not moved by thoughts. He was not moved by feelings. He was not moved by anything that he perceived in the world. In such a profound state, he could be only moved by something that was deeper than what, where he already was. Does that make sense? He couldn't be affected by anything of the world, anything of the normal cognitive empiric thought processes of the world. He could only be affected by something that was much deeper. And what was that? That was the conception of the of a truth that was deeper in the truth in which he was already fully absorbed, Brahman. So he directly realized the reality, Sri Bhagavan, from the Sabda of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So much so that he had his revelation. And he realized that that sound vibration was in and of itself equivalent to that personality which it represented. So he realized that Bhagavan was the ultimate Sambandhi Tattva, the other ultimate knowledge of everything of everything and how everything related to everything else. And he realized that this realization of Bhagavan came to him how? From the Bhagavad. So he realized the means of Abhideya. He realized the means that that hearing in and of itself was sufficient to capture his heart and reveal the object of knowledge, Bhagavan. And when it captured his heart, and when he experienced Bhagavan, he felt mad, he fell madly in love. The goal was actualized by him through that hearing. So he realized the Sambandha, the Abhideya, and the Prayojan of the Bhagavatam, which his Brahman, his position of a Brahmavadi, has completely realized in the nature of his self, paled in comparison to at that time. Those verses captured him, drew him back 
to the association of his father, <coughs> and he took to a deep study of the Bhagavatam from the author himself, who was also his father, Srila Vyasadeva. So he immediately perceived that. So let's look at the first Anucheda in this section. This was just a little introduction. Okay. So, realization of Bhagavan supersedes that of the self. So, Sutta Goswami examines the disposition of the heart of Sukadev. Where was he at? <clears throat> what was the nature of his being that would make him so open to this sound vibration that has its own agenda? That's the Bhagavat. It has its own agenda. It's not something that is is intellectualized. It's nothing that's approached from an empiric point of view and realized. Although it can be, but that approach is what? That's the scriptural approach, the Vaidhi approach. Well, Jiva Goswami's starting out need to get past this Vaidhi approach. Let's realize what the Bhagavatam really offers you. You want to what? You want to realize your true spiritual nature. That far exceeds an intellectual approach, a spiritual approach, a scriptural approach, we want a, a, something that really is a whole turning of your consciousness and your awareness to the Supreme. So, there's a verse from the Bhagavatam, of course, in the Anucheda. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the son of Vyasadeva. This is Sutta Goswami. Uh, Sukadeva Goswami, who destroys all sin and who, though fixed in his own bliss, with no distractions, we went over that, became attracted to the pastimes of Krishna and mercilessly spread the Bhagavatam, which describes Krishna and reveals the rasa of his pastimes. So here's our... First we have support. Look, this is a verse from the Bible. It stands on its own. We don't need to support this verse. It in and of itself is self-illuminating. So Sridhar Swami in his commentary to this verse says that his essence, referring to Sukadev's essence, Again, that word sara uh, was drawn to ajita. What is that? Unconquerable. Krishna, the unconquerable. And that the subject of Srimad Bhagavatam is ajita, who transcends even the ecstasy of Brahman realization and dis distinguished and is distinguished by his divine play, Leela. So the ultimate attainment for conscious beings, Purushartha, the ultimate attainment, Purushartha, 
Prayojana Tattva is the ecstasy of love of Krishna. Our means Abhideya is the turning of our awareness and all faculties to him, Bhajan. So our means of attainment is to turn all of our faculties to him. And that's Bhajan, and that is what? The Abhideya. So as revealed sound, Srimad Bhagavatam implies a higher perceptual mode of knowing not mere scriptural and canonical authority. It has to imply something more. So here, in this Anucheta, explaining Sukadeva Goswami's revelation in relationship to the Bhagavatam, which was what? A full revelation, Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. And then in the next Anuchedas, Jiva Goswami, the realization of Srila Vyasadeva's Samadhi will be covered. So, I mean, he's really going to, to, to try to pull us into this essence and this methodology of seeing the Bhagavatam for what it is. It is more than just some scripture. Some things to note. Sabda Praman, when we say Sabda Praman, we're talking about something super cognitive, okay? Beyond. When we talk about hearing this transcendental sound vibration, it's more than just cognition. It's a super cognitive method of knowing. <coughs> Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan are disclosed directly in our consciousness. They're not determined by logical constructs. This is how Sukadeva Goswami received it. Rather, immediately aesthetically felt and known realities. We're getting here an idea of what was the revelation. May not be our revelation yet. From every time we hear the Bhagavatam, it may not immediately, we may not immediately actualize what is being heard, but this is the potentialities that are there in hearing the Bhagavatam. And what's standing in our way is simply a matter of what? Our consciousness was not as pure as that of Sukadev. But the hearing in and of itself has effect itself. So it's not just an intellectual hearing when we hear from the Bhagavat Purana. It is a transcendent literature. It is a literary incarnation with all the potencies of the Supreme Lord himself. Okay, actualized potencies, subdis, perceptual and characters, divine perception. Uh, this is an interesting point. Subda is perceptual in character. As divine perception, Vaidusa Pratyaksa, of God or a realized person. What does this mean to us? Now, the full import of the Bhagavatam is realized. 
just as we would what? We would experience with pratyaksha. What's that? Sensory perception. But it's vidusa. It's transcendent. What this speaks to us of is the transcendental character of those situated, those that are Uttama Bhaktis. They have this direct perception of the full import of the Bhagavad. And sometimes they come down from that and teach us. But that is what is Sadguru. That is what we should look for if we were to seek out a bona fide spiritual master. Somebody who knows the import, who's beyond the intellect's intellectualization, intellectualization of the subject, but rather can explain the heart of the subject in such a way that it affects our heart. So we can perceive that. It's a perceivable thing according to our qualification. So we can imagine what it really means to enter into the discourse of the Bhagavatam and how these great devotees couldn't give it up. They would stay home from work and surround themselves by like-minded sadhus and simply study the Bhagavatam continually. They would play sick and stay home like Sanatan Goswami did. Call in work to work. I, I'm a little ill today. I can't come in. They couldn't, they could not give this up. And when they were forced by being thrown in jail by hook or by crook, they'd sneak out and break out and have to go to that Sangha of devotees to continually relish the taste of the Bhagavat. It completely enthralled their existence, you can imagine. So you could see, this is what Sanatan Goswami, when we hear this pastime of how he called in sick and said, I'm not coming to work, I'm, I'm ill. And when the physician came and he said, uh, I'm sorry, King, he looked well enough to me. <laughs> the king himself came and said, you're cheating me. I need your services. And he said, well, I'm in, I'm in this service right now. I can't do your service anymore. I'm in service to the Bhagavat. And he said, okay, well, if you're not going to serve me, you're going you're gonna to serve in my jail. So, off to jail he went. So let's talk a little bit more before we close this evening about Sambandha Tattva, Prayojan, and Abhideya. We touched upon it. So what is that realization that comes to someone like Sukadev Goswami 
and ourselves when we can get past the stages of anarthas and things that that stand in our way from developing the taste that someone like a Sanatango Swami has for never giving up the Bhagavad for a moment. Sambanda. Sambandi Tattva. The subject. So what is the subject of the Bhagavad? Is what? It's Bhagavan. Sri Krishna. Transcending Brahman. Uh, the Prayojan. The goal is Prem. That overpowering spiritual attraction to Bhagavan uh, that's manifest in the heart simply by hearing the pure heart, of course, simply by hearing about him. And Abhideya is that hearing about him. That's the methodology by which it is awakened. These three together, these go together, these form, they're interrelated as a natural consequence of the nature of, of spiritual revelation and realization. They're not separate. They're integrated parts. The goal, the attainment, the method of attainment, and the attainment itself, the, the revelation, the loving exchange. So what was it? What was it that drew? What is that higher thing that the Bhagavat had to offer Sukadeva Goswami? What was that? specificity regarding the absolute truth that Sukadev was not already receiving from his liberated the aesthetic nature of the absolute and there we can enter into how much how much is there when we speak of Bhagavan he exceeds Brahman in what vastitude He's greater than Brahman. His completeness, his sustainability, his beauty, and his bliss. All these are greater in the conception of Bhagavan than they are in Brahman. This is what captured Sukadeva Goswami. Bhagavan's degree of inherent aesthetic value. So the value, the artha, so we know in material world we have certain arthas, purusharthas, artha, dharma, karma, moksha, economic development, artha, karma, satisfaction of the material senses, dharma, religiosity, in the context of a betterment of our material self and liberation, an ending of the miseries of material existence in that context, Artha, Dharma, Karma, folks. But there is also the Artha of the Absolute Reality. So Paramartha is his, is his, his aesthetic nature. This is what distinguishes the concept of Brahman from Bhagavan. So much more is there in the aesthetic of the supreme reality when we can look to his personal features and energies and interpersonal relationships.
which are not available to us in the Brahman conception. If we look at Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan, and how we talked about they were closely tied together. So if we look at the conception of some transcendentalists, because there are some transcendentalists that see the Absolute differently from the ultimate conception that's put forth in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam itself speaks of that. Brahmaiti, Paramatmaiti, Bhagavan Iti Sabjate. So they also have their Sambandha, their Abhideya, and their Prayojan. Just as we see Sukadeva was enlightened into the Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan simply by hearing the Bhagavatam. So similarly, somebody or he himself was attracted to the impersonal absolute conception by what? By a Brahman who was free of all material miseries. And he was so much into that consciousness that what? I will not meet, leave the womb. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to, I'm fine right here. Warm and cuddly or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm just free. No one's going to bother me here. Maya will not catch me here. Well, Maya can catch us anywhere. That was his idea. And Krishna saying, I don't know. It's okay. So he also had his sambandha, his ideal, his ideal being freedom from all distress and merging into that supreme oneness concept. He had his methodology, Abhideya, which was what? Gyan, for the Brahmavadi, Gyan, simply knowing the distinction between what is spirit and what is matter, what is the consequences of spirit, what are the consequences of engagement with matter, and his prayojan, his ultimate goal. Next class we'll continue with how did this happen to Vyasadeva? But we can imagine that Jiva is going to go a lot deeper. There's just one Anucheta that deals with Sukadeva's enlightenment and there's another 19 that deal with Vyasadeva's. We'll enter into that discussion and, and try to see where, uh, where Jiva wants to take us with that that next section on Vyasadeva's enlightenment from the Bhagavatam, which, what, it came from the direction of his guru. Any questions? Thank you so much for your association.